everybody, and welcome to the In Contention podcast. I'm Joey Pasco, joined by Matt Cranstuber. Hey, everybody. And Ruben Bressler. Hey, guys. Glad to be back. What did I miss? Wake up, Ruben. <laughs> so did you huh? sleep through last week's episode? I did. I did sleep through last week's episode. So here's what happened last week. I got back from Minneapolis. Well, I was supposed to get back from Minneapolis at noon, right? So my so the the whole festivities and cleanup ended at like 2 in the morning because it took us forever to clean up that, that room. Um, and our flight was leaving at 4.30, or we were leaving for the airport at 4.30 a.m. for a 6, six o'clock flight. Jeez. So I didn't sleep. Uh, I just stayed up and, and motoed. Um, so uh, then we went, get to the airport, and we fly out of Minneapolis, go to Detroit, hang, have a relatively long layover, like an hour and a half layover in Detroit, fly to Roanoke, right? So we fly into Roanoke, and the clouds are too close to the ground. I don't know if you know if this is that this is a thing, apparently. <laughs> I've but never heard the of that. guy comes onto the, onto the um, loudspeaker and is like, hey, we've been circling for a little while looking for an opportunity to land, but it's just way too dangerous. Because, the, because like, the fog and the clouds have just sort of met in the middle, and you can't see until you're about 100 feet above the ground, was like apparently how it was explained to me. Wow. So we can't land. And we're going to run out of gas if we don't land somewhere. So we're going to fly to Pittsburgh and wait for the clouds to leave. Unbelievable. Right? So then we go to Pittsburgh. We sit there for a couple hours. Um, and then we get back on the plane, and we arrive in, in, uh, uh, in Roanoke at, like... I don't know, five thirty or six. Wow! Right. So I, at this point, I've been up since you know six thirty the previous day. Oh my gosh! Pass out. Can I tell you what my theory was? Sure. I got a, I got a little bit sad when I thought about it. So Ruben was was doing updates on his Facebook or on his uh, Twitter uh, with information on his moto progress and a couple yeah. of th- drafts that he was doing. So he happened to get a draft. Uh, in which he was able to play both Worldfire and Thragtux. Yes. Of course, that being the ultimate dream in uh, in M13 Limited, which is to, to resolve a Worldfire with Thragtusk on the board. And he ended up getting it. And that was the yep. last tweet that I saw from him. So <laughs> I just figured that, like, because he got that, that God was just like, look. You've, I gave you this. Had yeah. a good life. It's, you know, you've, you've done enough. You got Thrag Tusk uh, in World Fire. I think that's it. And so, yep. I think you're done. Yeah. That's right. That's, yeah. a, that's a theory. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fortunately, not the the actual sure actual truth. But uh, no. so, uh, of course, in contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this weekend, the Open Series rolls into Los Angeles, California, at Stanley's Kamikaze Expo. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Seems. I didn't realize that was this week. Sweet. Same. Uh, it's got $10,000 prize pools in both the standard and legacy opens, as always. Uh, if you can't be there, be sure to tune in to scglive.com and catch Patrick Chapin and Cedric Phillips bringing you all the action with Glenn Jones in the sideboard. Seems like a weekend that you, you don't want to miss there. Uh, the Twitter hashtag for this weekend is SCGLA, so you can use that to join in the discussion. Also this weekend, the Classic Series comes to Richmond with hashtag SCGRich. That's Richmond, Virginia. Uh, if you can't make it out to either of these, be sure to check out an Invitational Qualifier Tournament near you. You can go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash Open Series. So... I think I'm going to be playing this weekend in Richmond, actually. Yeah? I might, uh, I might play Magic for the first time in a little while. That's not too far from Roanoke. What is it, a couple hours? No, it's like, like, it's like three hours, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not yeah, a bunch of people are going up to it, so I think it, it, it looks like fun. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, of course, bunking right now with Brian Brown Doohan, and he's playing the four-color Solar Flare deck. Ooh. And I just watch him stomp all of the things he enters, so I might be <laughs> to play that thing. Yeah. You got, you got a list already. Nice. Speaking of lists. Yeah, lists. We got a good list of topics today, so I'm, I'm just going to get right into them. We're, we're going to talk about Star City Games Portland that's happening right this second. If you're listening to this, of course, it's in the past, but uh, we're recording on Sunday during the Legacy portion, and we're going to focus on something pretty remarkable that happened. Uh, the sub hashtag is the loneliest Delver. Then we're going to get in a little bit of Return to Ravnica spoiler discussion. Give Ruben a chance to weigh in on Slitherhead since he didn't get a, uh, an opportunity to talk about it last week, which is, uh, of course, our preview card. And then we have something called the Saddest Blue Mage, which is something that's happening in the wake of some which of the designs. Granny's new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. Saddest Blue Mage. Saddest Blue Mage. I wonder if that's too long to be a Twitter handle. Uh, just, yeah, uh, I would think so. Just how about Strong Sad? Blue mage. Wait. Wait. So, no. No. Don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's let's get right in. So, the big talk this weekend has been Star City Games Portland. The top 16 has zero copies of Delver of Secrets slash Insectile Abomination in the top 16 decks. Aberration. Yes, Insectile Aberration is also not in the top 16. Hey, what did I say? Abomination. abomination. Oh, well, it is an abomination to that card. That's what I was going to say, is that this weekend is an aberration, and it's not actually going to mean anything. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, I, the fact that there are no Delvers is just... Look, the Pacific Northwest is weird, all right? That's what you get, you know? You know how 90% of the world's weird stuff comes from Japan? Yeah, and then ninety percent of the United States' weird stuff comes from Florida. Ninety <laughs> percent of the world's of the United States' non-Florida weird stuff comes from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so, like, they're they're in third place. They're just crazy people. Like, I, I, I don't even understand. They how. have a whole show. Uh, if you've ever seen Portlandia, it's yeah, exactly. Really yeah. funny. But I've 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 also heard that as well. It's very it's a very different world. Very different. Environments, uh, social environment, and and also like just like the weather's kind of funky, and yeah, I think the yeah. people, they like to go go against the grain. And Delver right now is the grain, right? Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Is exactly how it goes. So, uh, well, all the, all of these people appear to be e- either uh, bitten or infected in some way. I'd say eighty percent of these decks are zombie decks or infect decks, and yep. then a small uh, smattering of. You know, some green-white aggro, some pod. And some green summer from Travis Wu. Yeah, it's called green-white uh, elves in the uh, in the coverage, in the, in the deck list page. But uh, but it was well, being referred to as green summer on Twitter. Yeah, it's green mm-hmm. summer. The uh, I also think that the, um, the deck tech that Glenn Jones did with him was uh, green summer. Yes, it was. Yeah, this is the first time I'm noticing it being called uh, green-white elves. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about this list. It's... Uh, so- he, yeah, in in his know. in his deck tech, he said that it was basically a nod to having sixteen turn one mana accelerants and putting them all in a deck. Like that's all he wanted to do. Okay, it's just like we've got Arbor Elf, Avacyn's Pilgrim, Birds of Paradise, and Land of Elves all in standard at the same time. It would be foolish to not try something with all of them, mm. right? 
And so he did. And this deck also includes Palladium Mirror, which right. is awesome. Uh, was doing serious work for him yesterday because it can block all the swords, um, which is very funny. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's running Sword of Feast and Famine so that he can go turn one mana guy, turn two sword against a lot of decks, and a lot of decks have a lot of trouble with that. And the green is basically only for Gavany Township. Right. You mean well, the white? Oh, I'm sorry, the white uh, yeah, is only yeah, for yeah. Yeah. Gavany Township. Yeah. He, with, with Palladium Mirror, he can cast a Titan on turn three. Like, he can, you know... Turn one bird, turn two, mirror, yeah. turn three. Or, yeah, Titan. well, that's, that's one way he can do it. The other way he can do it, of course, is turn one elf, turn two pilgrim oh, yeah. bird. Yeah, double. Which double one I, I look at this deck um, more like a Titan deck than anything else. I mean, its end game is to resolve a primeval Titan into Gavany Townships and then be able to have multiple Gavany Township activations against these dorky guys. I mean, right now, Dave Judgment just isn't seeing a lot of play. We're even seeing, like, you know, like the rug decks, where there's not a lot of whip flares being thrown around. A lot, There's a lot of zombies in the format. There's a lot of green-white aggro. There's a lot of pod. So this is a really well-positioned deck, you know, to be able to throw down a turn four, turn five Primeval Titan um, or, or have the backup plan of having the Sword of Feast and Famine on a bird or a guy with triple. Like, this deck has a lot of reach, and it's very, very consistent. Like, you know, you have the top end of your curve is four primetime, four zenith, and then the sort of feast and famine. So, like, that's like your five to seven mana. And that's pretty much all it does, but it does it really well and really consistently. Yeah, and you look at this deck and you're like, man, how does this deck possibly answer an Ink Moth Nexus, right? Like, you look at the main deck and you're like, well, this is, this is going to be rough for Travis. <laughs> then he beat it in the top eight. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then in the next round, he beats Zombie Pod, which also looks like a pretty rough matchup. Because um, the Zombie Pod can just, you know, uh, run their own Thrag Tusks out there after a little while. But they've also got Blood Artist, which is a huge problem for a deck running a bunch of 1 1s. It's got a skin render that it can pod into. It can zealous conscripts your Primeval Titan. Like, there's a lot of things that that Zombie Pod deck can do. But he beat it anyway. Now, that yeah. speaks to how good Travis is, but, um, you know, it's, it's also, it's a deck that looks, sim- looks simple, but uh, clearly has a little bit of game. Yeah, these, uh, I, I think it's exciting, and I love it. I think a lot of people predicted a green summer because of uh, Ranker being reprinted, yeah. uh, but it's actually not even playing ranker and it's called you know he's, he's going with green summer for this name deck name but i love it uh and, and it's also the kind of deck that you know what it reminds me of a little bit is the uh the deck that was around during lorwyn block uh called green white little kid right yes. you remember that or little <laughs> yeah. green white it's just like hey i play guys and smash that's it it was just uh and you had like gaddick teague and you had what was the uh, the enchantment uh Shield of the Oversoul. That's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually dashed with 4-4 flying indestructible Gadotigs. <laughs> yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, it's great. It's got, like, Cloud Threshers in there. And uh, it was... Uh, the funny thing is, I built that deck, and it's still built, because I've had no use, no reason to ever pull any of those other cards out for <laughs> anything else, except for maybe Gadotig, but I don't play Maverick, so he's still in that same deck that I had nice. when I built that. But anyway, this, that's what this reminds me of. You're just like... Play a guy, and then you know I'm gonna just ramp out these huge fatties, and uh, it seems seems like a lot of fun to play. But another story I think is just the fact that Zombies has now taken two consecutive open series. Yes, that is a big thing. 
Well, you know what's really important about zombies being really good? Of course, we talked about zombies being a deck that's definitely going to be at the forefront of the upcoming metagame here in a, in a couple weeks. Yeah. As Ravnica comes in, we don't lose very much out of that deck at all. I mean, we lose a couple uh, pieces of equipment, you know, like Mortar Pod and, um, you know, things like uh, the, uh, sorry, Dross Harvester and, and, and uh, the... Right, if, if you're running those deck, if you're running those cards anymore, then yeah, you lose them. You also lose Black Cleave Cliffs, but you're getting Blood Crypt, so... And that's if you want to stick with Black Red. You've right. got other zombie options, including, you know, I think maybe where Matt was sort of going with it was the uh, the zombies we're getting in the Golgari tribe in Ravnica. Right, we've right, we've right. got Slitherhead, we've got Lotless Troll. Like, yep. Well... I'm, so, I'm sorry, I said uh, Dross Harvester, but what I meant to say was the one one that sacks to put a counter on. But Oh, Fume Spitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, guy is, that guy is more important, you're right. And like, he's, what, he's the one drop 9 through 10. Yeah, right? yeah. It, well, what I think is like really going to be the, the, the biggest thing here, of course, aside from zombies getting more tools, is going to be Celestial Purge rotates out of the format. That's we, exactly what I was going to say, like just in time for Celestial Purge to be gone, right? Yep. Yeah, and it, and you know, people have been playing cards like Graph Digger Cage and uh, or even like Nile Spellbomb to deal with uh, undying zombies and, and cards coming back from the graveyard. I, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve here, unless we see something in Ravnica that really punishes those decks. We're going to have to see some cards come you know come into the format like the instant speed. Uh, remove a card from the graveyard, get a 2-2. Two, two. I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah, Vile Rebirth. Vile Rebirth. And in cards like that, that, you know, we really don't have a lot of good hate. We have Tormod's Crypt, but nowadays it seems like people, if you're not getting a card off of a card that removes a graveyard, it's not good enough for standard. I mean, because they're just not graveyard decks. You have to have, like, sort of a... It has to be there as, like, an afterthought, almost. Yeah, because certain cards that fight graveyards are better than other cards that fight graveyards, because, of course, Grafdigger's Cage is terrible against, you know, Stalker Pike decks, for example. But Nile Spellbomb is just a one-shot against zombies as opposed to being able to have a cage in play, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not even taking into account Vile Rebirth, which is insane in the zombies' mirror, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tormod's Crypt, obviously, being very cheap is very important as well. So, you know, you've got these different options, but they don't all fight the same decks. And so you're going to have to find different ways to combat zombies. And I th- actually think that the best way to fight zombies isn't to ignore the graveyard so much, but your graveyard hate should sort of impact zombies, but should be much more geared towards fighting, like, Solar Flare, right? Mm. At least for, well, for the time being. I guess Sun Titan is leaving, so you don't really need that. But for the time being, Nile Spellbomb is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because, you know, if you, first of all, if you play in Cage, oftentimes that'll hurt. Wait, does, Cage is not Mirror, well, so never mind. Um, I mean, Cage right now has the benefit of just being able to hit a couple more decks, you know, any of the Zenith decks, Pod. Uh, right. You know, so it, it has some of that added benefit. But, of course, it's definitely not going to be good enough. We don't see enough mechanics in Ravnica that makes me think that that card's even going to be on the radar. Well, Pillar of Flame's going to be a real important card in the coming months. Yes. V- Vile Rebirth will be a real important card in the coming months. So, like, there's there's answers. Um, I think another big thing that is sort of not really important for playing against zombies, but it's a little important in zombies, is that you don't have the Go for the Throat or Doomblade anymore. You only have Murder, really. 
mm-hmm. um, for your non-burn elimination and tragic slip, I guess. But if you want to take down an 8-8, for example, you have to pay three mana for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that's a problem. Um, so that's, that's one thing that'll... That's among the things that are bad news for zombies. I think that's the only one. <laughs> yeah, you know they lose metamorph, they lose um, go for the throat, and they lose mortar pod, and that's and they lose fume spitter. But fume spitter is easily replaceable with uh, some plant zombies one ones. I wonder what plant zombie one ones there are. <laughs> hmm. We'll have to take a look at the uh, the, the cards that might have been spoiled last week on in contention to see if there's one. I think that we've danced around that subject long enough. I'm going to real briefly give you my thoughts on Slitherhead. I swear to God, I'll take a minute. Um, So Slitherhead is one of those cards that's real difficult to gauge because whenever you see an ability that you can do for free in Magic, anytime you can theoretically cast a spell for free, get something back from your graveyard for free, it's worth noting. Right, because mm-hmm. yep. um, like people were like, "Oh, blood gas at the beginning." Where people were like, "That's pretty interesting." I'm not sure how good it is though. And then blood gas just took over the format for a little while. Um, and you know, this is not nearly as powerful as that. I would put this more on the power level of like um, Dakmore Salvage when it was in Future Sight in the mm-hmm. Seismic Swans deck. Like it's a little bit sneaky in how how it can be reused. Um, but I think that it's entirely possible that this card could not only see play in standard, but could see play in other formats. Um, like modern... Um, now, Dredge isn't a thing in modern, so I don't know how how uh, important that'll be. But it does a couple important things. It's a one-drop for a Zombies deck. It can also go in a mono-green deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it discards to Lotleth Troll and makes your Lotleth Troll a 4-3 on turn 2. Um, it kills undying, or it stops undying from happening on your opponent's Geralt's Messengers and Butcher Ghouls and whatnot. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, it's a solid card. It now, also I don't, interacts with Unleash, just, just to point that out, because yes. you can keep your opponent from being able to block by putting a... Right. Uh, now, I'm not sure how... If your opponent's not attacking... It, and they have unleashed creatures, then their game plan isn't going according to plan Not anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is that is an interesting interaction, especially in like limited when they play that two three for three, and it's just going to stonewall all of your two twos. Um, you can make it a three four and then attack with all your two twos, I guess. Um, so I mean, it has possibilities. I'm not. I, I'm not. It's never going to be the most dominant card in the format, but you know. Only a couple cards are going to be the most dominant card in the format ever. Yeah. I would love for this card to be in some sort of weird dredge mix-up in Standard or Modern or Legacy and just just blow people out of the water with how ridiculous this interaction, the interactions can be. But it is only a one-shot effect. Um, and I have high hopes that it'll be a, a role player in several formats. And you know what? That's the best you can hope for. Yeah, yeah, and I, I totally agree. Like, I think it's it's uh, somebody. I was reading the uh, in contention Slitherheads uh, thread on MTG Salvation, and someone mentioned it being more like a spice. You know, it's like it, it's huh? going to add to a, to a deck. It's going to be more about the synergy. It's not going to be, uh, you know, a, a strategy is not going to be built around Slitherhead, but Slither, right. Slitherhead will be a role player in certain strategies that it can uh, it can shine in. And I think. The Lotless Troll is the is the huge, you know, guy that I keep That's thinking the, of. 
Yeah. Also, it's the Skultopus. Like, come on. <laughs> I like it. It's the Skultopus. How can you not be excited about playing with a skull octopus? So, can I just say, I'm a little sad that Phantasmal Images are rotating because of the right. interaction with Illusions. Yeah. That would, that would have been pretty nice. Um, but I think we, we might see something like that where you do... Like, this is an, a very important card in the zombie mirror to, to get your opponent's uh, guys not to die. I really think that that might be a thing. Or to make your Diagraph Ghouls 3-3s three instead of 2-2s. Two sure. sure, exactly. Like, there's right. lots of things that this, you know, it's all about a game of inches over there in the zombie's mirror. You know, if, if you can't tragic slip your opponent's blood artist because it's a 1-2 all of a sudden, man, you're in deep trouble. Can I tell you guys something a little serious? I, I don't know why it didn't hit me until the other day, but this is, like, really crazy. We are. We have a standard format that we have three. We, we will have three natural black green dual lands, like not not like fetch lands or evolving wilds, oh, including or, the gate city brass. Yeah, we have the gate. We have yeah. overgrown tomb, and we have woodland cemetery. Like, and then not to mention that we also have evolving wilds, in, which was just in the base set. Mm-hmm. And you know, who knows what else we're gonna get? I mean, that's. That's insane. Plus, Farseek and, and all these cards that find, you know, lands that have a certain land type, that's really, like, you should be able to, ma- to make the mana that you need to probably about as easy as, you know, when we, when we had filter lands in, when people were playing the filter land vivid mana bases. Yeah. I mean, if you have 12, like, on-color dual lands, like, that's a big deal. So, that's def- I think that's worth mentioning. We also, I mean, we got kind of a crummy dual land, or a, cr- a crummy city brass land, which is basically a functional reprint of Rupture Spire, but that's all play. I mean, that's all play in five color control. Yeah. So I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't see play at some point. And uh, along with like Chronomatic Lantern and some other stuff, it's it's pretty. That hard lantern's easy. bonkers. Yeah. That lantern Sorry, didn't is. Mean to, didn't mean to bump in there, but that lantern. <laughs> no, Boy. that's okay. Uh, actually, uh, if you have any comments on it, Ruben, go ahead. I mean, we we talked a, about it. Well, I'll let, I'll let Joey talk about the uh, the lands situation first. Well, I, I mainly just wanted to say kind of uh, kind of related to the lands, but more related to the zombies, was just the fact that we have all this great mana fixing uh, for black-green, and now we've got these zombies. I, I think, um, I just think that zombies is probably the deck to beat. Uh, may, you know, based on what we've seen, it's at least a contender for the deck to beat in early October as soon as rotation happens. Because not only is is the deck shell already there and mostly intact, but you're getting additions like uh, Lolteth Troll and, and Slitherhead and uh, Abrupt Decay, which we'll talk about later if if that's you know something you yep. need. Eh, removal something you usually need. Um, and and it's an aggressive deck in in early formats. You know, in new formats, especially post rotation, aggressive is just the way to go because mm-hmm. it's and this deck is just it's aggressive and then when all the creatures dies die they, they just come back and continue to be aggressive. You know, you just can't right. even kill the guys. So I think I, I'm looking at zombies as the I'm predicting zombies as the winner of uh, of the first few open series, or at least top eighting of uh, several of those. I have a couple th- th- predictions for the future of standard. Now, keep in mind, we've seen about a third of the new set, yeah. so the, who knows? Right. But with what we have, let's assume that Return Ravnica has 90 cards in it, right? The 90 we've seen. Right. First of all, we're going to open way more abrupt decays than is even reasonable. Totally cool. But, yeah, yeah it should be fine. Um, but the point, my point is that whenever I look at a new standard format for states, because um, I used to be big into states, 
um, because I'm a tiny baby. Um, but whenever I look in a, you, you want to see what did well in block the last for the last block, right? And lingering souls and intangible virtue were banned in block, so that's that would be where I would start. Mm-hmm. I like um, that. Now, of course, we don't get the dual lands. We only have isolated chapel for uh, the dual lands for that one because we because um, Godless Shrine will come out in the winter, mm-hmm. but. Uh, th- that's that's probably where I'd start, and the other place I would go to is Jund, because Jund is just always that sort of mid-rangey, you know, ho hum. Nothing really works with each other, but everything is just super powerful. Uh, and you've got a lot of really good Jund cards coming out. You know, yeah. you, you got all you can run all your black green guys. You can run your lot, lot left troll. You can run your uh, your Slitherhead, I guess, if you want to. Probably wouldn't run it in that deck. But then you also get Rakdos's Return, and you also get uh, Mizium Mortars, which is, I guess, an is it card, but it's red. That card's ridiculous. Um, so you know, there's lots of. Uh, there's lots of room for a mid-range Jund deck to also get in there. Yeah, for sure. And it Something, takes a while for control decks to develop, is the other yeah. thing. So yeah. Well, especially now that we, we have the, what is, you know, two of the best control cards that standard seen in years in pre- I'm sorry, uh, Ponder and Mana League rotating yep. out of the format. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a big deal. But I was just going to point out here that uh, one of our one of our listeners commented on the thread of Star City. Seems Alfred Herm- Hermesia. He said, "I'm seeing a rankered zombie deck in the upcoming standard." Ooh, yeah. And that actually seems, especially again, we have access to pretty much perfect mana yeah. that uh, we didn't have before. Like you couldn't really splash a lot in the old zombies. Like you, you could, you could splash a little bit of red and a little bit of green to get access to like zealous conscripts or pod if you're playing that. Black blue was wasn't too bad because you had the full dual lands, and now like we have a full set more, so getting green really isn't going to be a big deal. So you could pretty much just have that as your only, you know, source of green is just the twelve lands. If you decide to play the tap land, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if that's. I don't think you would, but I, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I, I don't know. I don't know like what how slow the format's going to be. You of course don't want to. Have a situation like you know where you want to resolve a one or two drop of the three drop like that makes Golgari Gate bad. But if you were playing a different kind of black green deck, you know I, I definitely think the gates are going to see playing standard as as bad as a come into play tap land is. I think that uh, having perfect mana is worth it. I mean, people have been playing Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse and those cards. And they're essentially they, they and also putting isolated chapels into play tapped and you know. Uh, yeah. Putting isolated chapels into play tapped on turn one, and putting dark slick shorts into play tapped on turn four. Like this is a thing that you know the solar flare deck does all the time, and that's completely acceptable. Right. I will also say that uh, Geralt's messenger with rancor on it's probably the scariest thing I can think of. Yeah, uh, that's pretty bonkers. And, and uh, I want to quickly go back to Chromatic Lantern because Chromatic Lantern, you know, Cranny, you're a fan of a Coalition Relic, right? Oh yeah, big fan. Name a card you'll take over a Coalition Relic in a non-powered cube. Pick one pack. <laughs> uh, it, They're few and far between. Yeah, it, it's like on one hand, maybe. <laughs> right, and so this is not. It, it doesn't bump you to six mana 
like Coalition Relic did, right? So you can't go turn two, or I'm sorry, turn three Coalition Relic, turn four haunting him like you used to be able to do back in Time's Barrel Block. But this card fixes all of your mana. All of your mana. And with all of the um, the charms and the multicolored cards we're going to have in Ravnica, it's, I mean, you, you can... You know, play this thing, and if it res- if you get to untap with it, you get to play every spell that you could ever want to play, right? Yeah. So you could be like, "All right, untap. Is it charm? Selesnya charm. Go." You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like abs- absolutely absurd. Also, another important note is that this lets your Mazevith and your Tabernacle tap for mana in cube, um, mm. or in EDH. Like this card's going to be bonkers for EDH. So if you pick up. A foil, you know, hold on to it. Yeah, for sure. um, and so, yeah, I just I think that there's definitely going to be a, a lantern control deck. At the, like, I just don't see a way there won't be. I just love that um, name, lantern control. Like, I just yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good ring. I just want to comment on this. I see the light. Sorry, go ahead. Well, back in Zendikar Limited, I started a draft with first pick Dave Judgment, and then proceeded to like get a bunch of black and blue cards, but no no white cards. And then the second pack had a Day of Judgment. And so then I, I ended up, my my final deck had two Day of Judgments, and then two Kalani Hearts. And that's... Oh, yeah. I can't even play any planes in my deck. And, of course, Sam, like, you know, made fun of me, like, vehemently, like, you can't do that, you can't do that. And, and of course, I did not even... Wait, call me Jim, right? Yeah, yeah, like, just didn't, wasn't even close to losing a game. Of course, you know, Dave Judgment being very, very good in that format. But, uh. That was one of my favorite moto photos that I saw back in the day, was some guy had, like, a bunch of blue, black, and red lands in play, and then had Colney Gem and Dave Judgment in the hand, and his opponent just kept over committing to the board. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, so, so the other night. Patrick Hickman and Rich Dahersky are two people that are in my cube group that they will pick that card over anything. It doesn't matter what's in the pack, card or not. I mean, they really Which like card? that card. Uh, Coalition Relic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we put Chronomatic Lantern in. I even photoshopped it to have his one of, one of their faces on it because, right. you know, of course it's not out yet, so I don't, I don't own the card. And we played it, and the first game he had it, he had a bunch of dual lands <laughs> out, and, and the game's like... He's just like playing all, all these crazy spells. He plays Liliana's or um, Liliana of the Realm, and and then like the next turn <laughs> he plays like a Johnny Vengeance. Then he plays New Jace, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and it was like at one point he had out like seven land. He had four black and three blue, and I'm like, what? Like this was the the next game, and then he played the Lantern into a Johnny Vengeance off of four swamps. I'm like, oh, come uh, on, uh, that's it, sick. It's a really good. Yeah, I mean, for one, all I want to do with my life is just have like all planes and forests in play, then play the lantern and cruel to make him somebody. <laughs> <laughs> do with my life. Nice. nice. So, yeah. I think uh, just another thing just to point out is how kind of generic the flavor of it is, which leaves it open to be printed in later sets. I could see this being printed in a core set down the road if if they yeah. wanted. I mean, it's very clear, easy to you know, elegant uh, design. I think. You know, because Coalition Relic already has reference to storyline, yeah. but Chromatic Lantern does not. So, just something to point out. But um, another thing that a lot of people have been talking about quite a bit since we've seen a few cards spoiled recently is uh, is well, we've got what three cards 
already just in a set that have the cannot be countered. I clause. believe it's more than that, more isn't than it? Three? Is it? I'm I'm gonna look it up. But well, yeah, I can I green, can think of three. Oh, oh if four, white green, red, black, yeah, black green and and white blue, yeah, white blue. Four of them, right? Yeah, Supreme yeah. Verde. We have our Supreme yeah, Verde. Yeah, <laughs> I totally didn't even uh, realize it that I, until you just said something. That's, that's apparently Supreme the Verde. buy a box, right? Is it the yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be the buy a box promo. So it, uh, it's funny because that's not the first wrath that we've had by buy a box. It, um, we right. had Day Judgment as the, the first buy a box for Zenicar. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's kind of worth mentioning. But it, this Supreme Verdict is, I mean. This is a huge card. Yeah, yeah. it's enormous. This is going to... I think that people are underestimating this for Legacy, because this allows the blue-white control decks to, ha- to Wrath of God, Merfolk. And that is a huge game. Um, and also, it's a Wrath of God that can be removed to force a will. So it's actually just not dead against, you know, Belcher or whatever. Yeah, so for those of you guys that aren't clear on exactly game. what Supreme Verdict is, uh, it's... An uncounterable wrath of God, but it just costs blue, white, white one. So uh, and it and yep. it's supreme just, verdict can't be countered. Destroy all creatures. Right. It's not. Um, so, it's not technically wrath. I guess it's day of judgment. Right. Right. It can't be countered. Uh, creatures the are other, able to regenerate. The other uncounterable spells we have so far are slaughter games, two colorless black red sorcery, can't be countered by spell or abilities, uh, and it's cranial extraction or thought hemorrhage or memorisot. Yeah, Whichever yeah. you prefer. And the reason for the templating difference, for those of you who are wondering, whereas Supreme Verdict says can't be countered and Slaughter Game says can't be countered by spells or abilities, is because some things can be countered upon resolution, right? Um, and Slaughter Games targets a player. So if someone responds to, uh, to Slaughter Games with, like, Guided Passage or... Gilded um, Light. Yeah, Gilded yeah. Light. That's what I meant to say. Or, uh, I don't know, flashing in a true believer or something absurd like that, then it can be countered upon resolution, whereas the Supreme Verdict target is illegal. Is right. And so those are two of the ones we got. Those are the, uh, the Rakdos and the Azorius ones we have so far. We've also got Loxodon Smiter, colorless green white 4 4. So we've already got a three mana 4 4. Yeah, so what's the downside? Count- right. Can't be countered. We still don't <laughs> yeah, have right. a and if a spell or ability causes you to discard Loxodon Smiter, put it onto the battlefield instead. So we've got a no downside, 4-4 four, four for 3. And that's not even getting a whole lot of play out of people. Like, people it are just like, eh. Dies to Doomblade, dude. It just dies to Doomblade. That's the downside. I'm not, I'm not format anymore. <laughs> <laughs> dies to murder. That's exactly. right. And then the last one, which we referenced earlier, was Abrupt Decay. Can't be countered by spells or abilities. Destroy target and unland permanent with converted mana cost three or less. So it's smother Kate. Yeah. Counter <laughs> smother Kate. Yeah, so these are obviously all pretty ridiculous cards with the possible probable exception of the <laughs> memoricide one, but uh so, I think, um, and it, I think it's great that that the Selesnian. This seems to be a cycle, right? It seems like every guild is getting an uncounterable card, which is kind of kind of crazy. Like every guild gets a card that just can't be countered by a certain color. You know, like it's basically mm. all guilds get a pro blue card. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so I think it's great that the that the Selesnian one is a creature where we've got spells from the other guilds so far. Um, yeah. 
it's, it's very fitting since Selesnya is all about the, the dudes. But um, a lot of people are very upset about this because, you know, they like to play their counterspells. And I'm, I'm a person who loves to play a counterspell. Uh, but, you do have affinity for blue. Yes, I do. And, you know, part of that is because of counterspells, I think. Yeah. Uh, I really, I think it's mostly because I like to draw cards. Secondly, because I like the counterspells. But um, honestly, this doesn't bother me as much as I think it's bothering a lot of people. Uh, first of all, Sure, I don't like to see the uncounterable clause on a card, um, but it depends on what it's on. When I saw Thrun, who couldn't be countered and had regeneration, like that was a little scarier to me. Now, of course, yeah, Thrun, and couldn't be targeted. Yeah, and yeah, and hexproof. Like that's I'm going okay. I can't counter it. I can't doomblade it. If I ra- day of judgment, they they regenerate. Like, how do I fight this card besides phantasmal image? You know, like that was that was it. Um, so. That that was a little more frustrating to me, but seeing it, you know, who when I'm playing a, a matchup, if I'm control on control, Wrath of God's probably not really a big problem for me. Uh, it you know we're not playing Wrath, we're we're not winning the game usually with Wrath of God. But when I'm playing against a creature matchup, I'm the one with the with the Wrath of God. Of course, I don't want it to be countered, as you already mentioned. Uh, you know, control decks being able to counter um, uh, Wrath against. Merfolk in Legacy and Modern, because Merfolk yep. could be a thing in Modern. Uh, you know, that's to me. These are the cards that I want to be playing. These are, I want to be resolving my removal and my my sweepers. So I'm totally cool with with Abrupt Decay and uh, and Supreme Verdict. Um, Loxodon Smiter is you know it's a little scary. Okay, he's going to resolve, but. I have abrupt decay. I have, yep. uh, I potentially, likely have other removal that you know other ways to handle what's on the board. So mm. you know, as a control player, I look at this and I see control cards that can't be countered. So I'm like, thumbs up, cool. Yeah, I, and I don't think that any of these were designed to to nerf blue or to make it so that blue's bad. I mean, if you look at Ravnica, Ravnica is like a flagship set of this decade. I mean, this is... Well, we're kind of early in the decade, but this is like one of the biggest deals for them in a long time. They slow-rolled you know, the Shocklands. They slow-rolled this, this storyline for a long time. They knew that this was that this was ultimately coming, and I don't think that, that they would have created these cards as a reaction to like the format. I think that they are... You know, we mentioned last week, Ravnica Kamigawa is one of the most colorful standard formats of all time. And this Ravnica is certainly shaping up to be a set that's going to recreate that format. We have a lot of cards that, uh, if you take a look at them, they, they aren't based on very narrow or modular mechanics like Infect or uh, if you go back to like uh, a block like Lorwen, we have Tribes or, or, or even something oppressive like Cascade. It's just a very, they're all very solid cards. So even these, these counter, these, uh, you know, these uncounterable cards, I think that if I was somebody who, who has been playing the game for a long time, I would be very happy to see these. I, I'm actually happy to see them just because, you know, we've, we've seen power creep from a creature perspective happen, you know, over the last 10 years. I mean, we have seen, you know, the, the one to four drop slot do amazing things to the point where we get a, a six, six for four and people barely blink an eye and this guy flies. Oh, and he has a good ability on him. So I think that, that we're seeing some spell creep on the spell side. So, you know, Supreme verdict is the best wrath that's, that's been printed, you know, since 
damnation. I mean, for for what it does, and you know, the, the black green vindicate is going to make huge waves in legacy. I mean, that thing kills counterbalance dead. That kills every Tarmogoyf. That kills every Delver. There's nothing that you can do aside from, you know, replacing your Force of Wills with Misdirections. That's going to make that card not do what it's supposed to do. So people should be excited to see this. Yes, you know, they're pushing the envelope a little bit by making a cycle that's 10 cards deep. But is that really a reaction to Mana Leak and Snapcaster and Future Future League? Or is it because they wanted to make these awesome cards that people want to play? Like, People don't want their stuff countered, and if that's if that's what sells cards, and that's what's going to make a good format, I'm willing to sit back and, and let it unfold. So, there's, sorry, sorry for the soapbox. I've just it's a very very interesting that they're playing it across ten cards. Like that's yeah, no, I, I w- that was not my re- what I thought your reaction was going to be to it. I thought you were going to be uh, you know super cranny upset about all these uh, people, you know, all these kids on your lawn making their spells uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. That's right. <laughs> nice. I mean, what do you what do you think, Ruby? I mean, um, do you think this is good for for? Well, I am. I will have to wait and see. I'm going to withhold judgment because I think that abrupt decay is very dangerous for legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, that card has a chance of screwing up the format in a way that. Mental Misstep screwed up the format, mm. slowing the format way down again um, to the point where everyone's playing, you know, no one is playing uh, one drops at all, basically, anymore. Um, you know, it's it's tough for me to tell. This, this is a really, really, really pushed card, mm. um, and I, I'm, I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. Uh, that this is a, it's a 100% answer to counterbalance. Seems like it's a good thing. But then it's also a 100% answer to, you know, any non-Nimble Mongoose creature played in Legacy, basically. I mean, other than, I don't know, Tombstalker, I guess. I can't, I'm hard-pressed to think of creatures that cost four. Uh, in Legacy, it's a short. It's a short list. Yeah, this is a. This will kill every Knight of the Reliquary. This will kill every you know Delver, flipped Delver, and you know it's it's uh, every Tarmogoyf. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough. And the other problem with uh, Abrupt Decay is a similar problem we had with Lingering Souls, which is it'll just be this is this may look like a two color card, but it is in fact a three color card uh, because Snapcaster Mage exists. And so you're just going to play it in all your blue decks, just like Lingering Souls got played in a bunch of blue decks in Legacy. So I'm a little frightened of that. But So, you know, after the announcement was made, a lot of people... I shouldn't say the announcement. After people came to the realization that this was a cycle, Aaron Forsyth actually confirmed it on Twitter, saying, yes, this is a cycle. And then that sort of caused, uh, you know, a bunch of people to start talking about what this means for the game, what this means for standard, Legacy, etc., especially the black-green card, because, you know, like you said, that that is going to make a, a huge wave in Legacy. There's no doubt about it. And then Aaron Forsythe responded, which it, I was actually kind of surprised to hear him say this. He said the um, the best deck in the format, or Split Second was a mechanic in Time Spiral Block, which, you know, if you don't know what Split Second is, it basically is a spell that can't be countered. 
you can't be interacted with in any way. You can't respond while it's on the stack. Yeah, you can't respond yeah. to it with anything. So, and and then he he went on to say, and I, I'm I'm actually going to butcher this. Well, you know, the best deck in the format was teachings, and I I just wanted to kind of address that because I I don't think that that's a very fair interpretation here because I think counter spells do things a lot differently nowadays. I think, especially with Delver in the format, Delver's the real problem. It's the fact that we have a three-power flyer for one mana yeah. that exists in the format that makes Mana Leak so oppressive. Like, if Mana Leak was just out there countering, you know, turn four Planeswalkers and, like, turn you know turn two Dorks and, like, the occasional, like, blowout spell, then, yeah, so what? It's in, it's in probably a control deck that dies to a Goblin Guide. And so you can print a couple Goblin Guide and it's, and it's fine. But the fact that it's backing up a a one mana, you know, three power flyer and a two, one flash that does oppressive things. And, and sort of like just the, the cog itself. That's why it's, it's such a, um, that's why it's, it's so oppressive. And actually Joey just pasted in here. He, uh, Aaron Forsyth's comment was remember when we printed a whole block of split second cards and mystical teachings control was the best deck in standard. And of, of course my response to him was, and, and I was not the only one that tweeted this, well, you also didn't have a land that gave split second to all of your creatures. Yeah. So, you know, which is essentially what Cavern does. Uh, right. it, that's about 90% of what Cavern does is make it so your opponent can't interact with the next creature you're about to play. So, I, I just, I don't buy that. Like, I think Cavern was a really good answer to Counterspells. I think it took Counterspells down a notch. It made it so that the counters were not countering, you know... It, it, it changed the role of Mana Leak a little bit. It wasn't there to counter Titans anymore. It was to protect Delver. So I think it actually did what it was supposed to do. Um, you know, people are, are now playing these bigger decks. Cavern is seeing a lot of play. Zombies, in particular, got a huge boost from that card. But I, I just think this full cycle, I don't think it's there for that. Like, the, the, what's the counterspell we have? Syncopate? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think magic goes through. Joey and I were talking before the show. Magic goes through like these these renaissances or like these cycles where it redefines itself. It it finds out something new that it can do. You know, it, it we had a complete reinvention of magic from a fundamental perspective when planeswalkers were introduced. Were introduced, and you know, we had a complete. Um, I'm sure Wizards R and D had a complete reevaluation of the way that they do keyworded mechanics after they saw how insane Cascade was and how it took over Standard. And I think they've reevaluated the way they do Planeswalkers after they see Jace completely dominate Standard for, you know, an entire year. And I, I think that we're kind of at a point now where, they, okay, they've decided that they're going to reevaluate how they do Counterspells, but I don't think that's the end of the two-mana Counterspell. I don't think we'll never see a Mana Leak or a Remand or even Counterspell again. Uh, I just don't think right now, I don't think it's in their, I don't think it's in their docket to print cards like that. Yeah, I think the way that uh, that Rosewater, I believe, has referred to it is that, like a pendulum, right? So the pendulum swinging this particular way right now, but it could always swing back, or it always will swing back um, to some some form of uh, previous, you know, I guess the the whole thing was that, you know, the, we have bad counterspells now, but maybe it'll swing back to good counterspells. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that I think the and you kind of touched on it, uh, but a, a lot of people are looking at this and going, okay, so if they're so worried about counterspells resolving and we just lost 
mana leak, uh, and count- counter spells are already no good. I think like the the paraphrase I've seen, uh, you know, paraphrasing what I've seen is counter spells are already bad. Why are you worried about counter spells resolving? That must mean that a really good counter spell is coming in this set or in this block. Uh, and I guess that's a reasonable line of logic um and i you know fingers crossed i, I kind of hope so <laughs> but uh, mm. but who knows you know people are going does that mean remand is going to be reprinted or just you know straight up counterspell or something who knows uh i i wizards has shocked me repeatedly every <laughs> every year they- <laughs> yeah so they shocked me right now wizards <laughs> <laughs> wizards always uh, throws in some plot twists, even though it's not versus system. Sorry, um, that was bad as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm never surprised at what Wizards does because I they are always. Yeah, oh gosh, I'm just going way too far with this. So anyway, speaking of planeswalkers, <laughs> do we want to uh, do we want to talk about the other planeswalker that was spoiled since um, since last week, Vraska? Vraska. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I real quick before we do that, I, I actually. Marlo, uh, Mark Rosewater does a comic series called Tales from the Pit mm-hmm. that I think is really funny. Um, sometimes they're, they're more inside jokes that I don't really understand. But uh, the, this last one, sort of to close our counterspell topic, is a picture of Scragnoth. And at, at the top of the comic it says, Scragnoth attends a support group. And then it's a little voice bubble saying... I just feel like I'm not special anymore. Misform Ultimus, how did you handle it when Lorwyn came out? And then at the bottom of the comic it says, we hear what you're saying, just remember, your feelings cannot be countered. <laughs> so I think, again, I think that this is um, this is a good example of where it's it's like in their design file to, to do this. Like Maybe it's uh, in the wake of Zach Hill that we see a lot of this stuff happening. Um, maybe, maybe it was his directive. Maybe it was the, the corporate directive to, to do that. But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to like pull away from the planeswalker discussion. But I no, think no, that's no. a really interesting point that you know this was deliberate, very deliberate sure. to do. But I think it's for the, all the different reasons that, that people are, are saying. So, uh, but anyway, new planeswalker probably a more interesting discussion at this point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we've got we we already mentioned you know there's the new Jace and. Uh, we talked a bit about that last week. Ruben, unless you have something to add, we can go right into Veraska here. Um, if Well, okay, so Cumberstone is fine, because I expect Lingering Souls to be a thing. So that first ability is actually just acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting two mini-factor fictions is probably better than having one big factor fiction if the Jace survives. So I think it's a fine card. You know, it's you're never going to use the ultimate ability, because why would you? Um, it seems fine. Mm. Yes. Like, I don't... I'm not blown out of the water by it. I don't think... It's it's obvious... Nothing's Jace the Mind Sculptor. Right. Um, in fact, I make a joke in the upcoming newsening that is out by the time you listen to this uh, that, uh, you know, when, uh, w- w- when we asked Jace what he thought of his new card, he said that he misses sculpting minds. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I miss it too. But. He's, he's never, <laughs> never going to get to sculpt mines again. Um, but you know, I think that people overvalue planeswalkers based on other versions of planeswalkers, or based mm-hmm. on other planeswalkers in general. And I think that this guy's fine. I don't think he's going to blow anybody out of the water. But I would, uh, I would be surprised if he didn't show up in standard. Very surprised if he didn't, 
show up in, in a top-tier standard deck. Mm-hmm. Vraska, on the other hand, I think is poop. I don't like Vraska at all. All right. Uh, mm, yeah, very, very interesting. I'm, I'm going to read it, just for those sure. who want to be reminded, because I'm sure they've all seen it. But it's a, it's a five-mana Planeswalker. It costs uh, three and a black and a green. Comes into play with five loyalty. Uh, the plus ability is until your next turn, whenever a creature deals combat damage to Vraska the Unseen, destroy that creature. Uh, the minus three is destroy target non-land permanent. And minus seven is put three one one black assassin creature tokens onto the battlefield with whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. So, uh, Ruben, go, go to it. All right. Um, plus one, do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Don't change the board at all. Do absolutely nothing. Um, I just... <sighs> That's that's a really poopy plus one ability. The minus three is good. The minus three says destroy target non-land permanent, which there's never been a magic card that said that before. Just those words, um, you know. And that'll that'll uh, it kills other planeswalkers, which is nice. Um, and then make three one ones is pretty awful. I mean, I don't I don't know the situation in which that's going to be good. I imagine it's against aggro decks that you've already killed all of their creatures. Because against other control decks, they have sweepers. Against other mid-range decks, they've got ways to deal with 1-1s. It's not like the 1-1s have Infect, even, or or something. Um, yeah, or Death and, Touch. Or death, yeah, exactly, or Death Touch. Um, and the other interesting thing about those tokens is if you Harm's Way, or uh, Captain's Maneuver, or Redirect Damage in some way... Um, then you can get redirected <laughs> back to yourself. Nice. And it's still combat damage, so you'll both lose the game. Same with Zealous Conscripts, things like that. Right, right, right. Great. Now, Zealous Conscripts doesn't even draw the game. Zealous Conscripts just wins the game if you <laughs> take one. Wow. So Interesting to hear you say that you don't like it. I'm, yeah, I'm on I, the opposite end of the, the fence here, for sure. Cranny, go ahead. Good. What were you, uh, well, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I think just pointing out that it kills other planeswalkers. The the last card that we saw do what similar to what this card does is Karn, and we all know that Karn at seven mana. He, I mean, he was absolutely ridiculous. Now this this guy, the the big distinction here is that when you minus uh, Vraska you cannot immediately minus again. So you don't get to do it twice in a row. And I think that that's, that's really good. That's the really only the, 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 um, the only downside I see to, to Braska. But I think just being able to come in, again, being able to protect it with some removal or, or put a couple walls or a couple idiots in the way and just, you know, systematically pick off your opponent's best cards, take out their, their lanterns, take out their big idiots. I mean, I think there's something to be said. It also ultimates very quickly, so if you plus one, plus one, then ultimate, I mean, that, that's not a then lot of time. Then you get three one-ones! Well, I'm just Man, saying... Man, how awesome! He gets the ult... If you wait a, for the low, low cost of three turns and five mana, you get Captain's Call! But I don't think that, 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 it, that it... You have to have context for this card. I mean, it's if you're just going to say, wow, it's a black-green planeswalker that destroys non-land permanence, it's not good. But the fact that whenever your creature, the, the opponent can't interact with it without losing his creatures, okay? So regardless, of, if they, if they want to kill it on board, they have to have six power worth of guys spread across however many guys they have, which I'm assuming is between two to four, 
So that means that they they can't interact with it, which means you're probably going to go ultimate a lot with this guy. So I think that you would build a deck to be able to offset that. Who knows? Maybe mass. Maybe there's a creature with mass hysteria, or maybe you're playing lightning Muller. I have no idea. Fervor. Fervor's in the format. Fervor. Yeah. I mean, maybe you. I find like our, a way. I like our chest deck a lot, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, even just as, like this is a really, really solid um, miser card in pretty much any deck that plays these colors. Like, if I'm playing black green zombies, I'm definitely not going to feel bad about having one to two copies of this in my deck whatsoever. I mean, it's a, it's an, an amazing curve topper. T- being able to take out non-lane permanence means that you're taking out your opponent's draw, draw messengers. Uh, you know, b- before they get to undie, you're taking out you're taking out some big some big stuff there. And I, I just don't think that that should be underwritten, especially when we have cards like Farseek in the format, when we're be, being able to power this thing out on turn three or turn four. Well, probably not turn three. But, I mean, I think that's really impressive to me. But uh, who knows? I, I, I think it, you need context, though. I don't think just putting three one one dorks into play is going to do anything, no matter what you do. I mean, Elspeth Knight Errant puts three dorks into play. Uh, you know, uh, the other Elspeth puts three dorks into play. I mean... I don't think that that is a, a measure of how good the card is. I, I think it that doesn't loot- ultimate that though. Like this ultimate is way more like a Johnny color of the prides ultimate. Mm-hmm. I think I would think that's a really good comparison. Yeah, and look look how much a Johnny color of the pride gets played. Well, but remember with this, if they don't have three blockers and or n minus one removal spells, then they will lose the game. Like I, I think that that's that's worth mentioning that they this this can just end the game by itself. I don't know how reliably. I mean, if your deck's filled with doom blades and stuff that well murders to, to kill your opponent's creatures or to or to keep them off cards in their hand, that might be realistic. So here, here's what I like. I think I fall somewhere in the middle. Like I don't think it's as bad as Ruben says, but I don't know that it's. As good as Cranny thinks, but I, I look at it and go, okay, so the first ability is, or actually, you pay five mana and you get to destroy a permanent and and maybe, uh, you know, if the, if your opponent has a creature, a snap, even just a snapcaster, that, that's, you, you know, you, you fogged the snapcaster, you know, the gain two life or something, um, which, coming from the other side of the table against a Vraska, I'm like... Cool, that's, that's not so scary. You know, they, they play a Vraska, they kill something, I'll flash in a Snapcaster and attack the Vraska, and she's dead. Uh, mm-hmm. or, which, is, which, to be fair, is still Maelstrom Pulse gain to life. Yeah, exactly. Which is still fine. Right, which is, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I don't think it's poop. <laughs> it's, it's, I, think, <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think that's pretty good, right? Like, that's, that's good. But it doesn't scare me if I'm playing against it. Sometimes I try to look at cards as, does this scare me? You know, um, yeah. Looking at Vraska, you know, her plus one is sort of a optional Wrath of God. It's like a you know, browbeat Wrath of God kind of thing. Like, mm. hey, until your next turn, you, you know, if you want, you can just attack me with all your guys. Or you can just kill all your guys with Vraska, but I just had a five mana Wrath that you got to decide. You know, mm. like, the, the the guy with the, the creatures gets to decide whether or not it's a Wrath of God, um, or and, and if not, you know, he just attacks attacks you and leaves Vraska alone, and now you've got two options to, uh, you know, destroy a permanent, but at the same time, you know, okay, so Vraska now kills a permanent, 
and it now has three, and now I'm like, okay, now I'll just attack her with my three, you know, guy with three power, and I'll attack you with the rest. And she's, again, you paid five mana, and you got, like, a little bit of life, and you got a permanent. So yeah. it's, it's still, you're giving a lot of decisions to your opponent. And the ultimate, I think, is it's hard to, dis- it's hard to discuss ultimates on any Planeswalker, because they're always, you know, game-winning in the right situation, especially of late, when you look at cards like... A Johnny that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, sure, it's great to have a bunch of tutus if your opponent can't block. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and right. same thing here. Like in the right context, context, this is game winning. They do need to have an answer pretty fast because if they only have two blockers and no removal, well, they just they just lose. But and it's cool too that you open yourself up to a, a situation, you know, to a blowout situation where you lose the game too if they somehow, you know, have something like uh, active aggression or zealous conscript where you're like, I'm just gonna steal your guy and attack you with it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of cool. It reminds me a little bit, when you think about the uh, the Jace, the new Jace's ultimate, too, where, you know, it says you can cast these spells without paying their mana cost, and somebody's just like, counter it, you know? And you're like, great, I just ultimate my Planeswalker for nothing. All right. I yeah. got a counter <laughs> spell from them or something. So, uh, but I, I, love the, I love the design. I love the, the power level of these Planeswalkers. I, we've said it, I think, in the past, fairly recently, where the power level of planeswalkers seems to be seems to have found its right level where they're they're pretty awesome but they're not completely game breaking they're not game over when they resolve um, they're game over when they're left unmolested if you can sit there and go for a couple of turns with her and just keep getting <coughs> vindicates out of her you know like that's right. that's pretty sick but that's going to happen and she is pretty good about i mean the plus ability makes her pretty good about not getting uh, molested you know, not getting damage on her because she <laughs> sure. will she will kill you if you touch her. You know, exactly. it's uh, it's no mercy right. from her. So. I mean, she's fine. She's she. I forget where I saw this. She's Frost Titan, right? So she's the Frost Titan of Planeswalkers. Frost Titan's like the most unimpressive of the five Titans, mm. and so but against the other Titans, Frost Titan was the Trump. Right. 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 This is a pretty unimpressive Planeswalker. But against other planeswalkers, she's the Trump. So in the Judge deck I was describing, I wouldn't be surprised if we main decked one or two and had another one in the sideboard. Um, you know, if there's a mid-range green deck out there or mid-range green black deck out there, I wouldn't be surprised to see this card. I'm just not overly enthused. And the other thing I would point out is she gets to make three one-one assassins as her ultimate, and then you untap and play Jace and then Cumberstone them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Jace is the Trump to Veracity. Yeah, right? well, yeah, Jace right. is the Trump. Yeah. So, nice. Good point, good point. So, I um, love the flavor. Like, before oh, yeah. move on, the, the Gorgon flavor of this card is insane. Mm. It's so cool. Yeah, and the artwork is fantastic. Alexi uh, Briclo, who yeah. did, of course, the original five Lorwyn Planeswalkers, um, he's just an amazing artist. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Anything you guys want to mention here? No, that's. I mean, every day that goes by, we get more spoilers. It gets me more excited to play. I'm I'm ready to rock and roll, man. So I I just want I want this full set. I want to start brewing. I can't wait to start motoing. Moto cubes coming back here pretty soon. I mean, it's looking to be a really good fall for Magic. I'm I'm excited. Totally agree. I'm I'm more excited for this set than I have been for any set in a while, and I've been pretty excited for some past sets. <laughs> yeah, so this is just really cool. Uh, Ruben, Innistrad Ravnica looks like it's going to just be one of the coolest formats ever. I um, agree. A couple 
plugs for myself here. Uh, Newsening is out as of you listening to this podcast. Go check that out. Um, we have filmed the interviewsenings for the next Invitational. Nice. Uh, so stay tuned for those at the Invitational. We have special guests Brian Brown Dewan, Evan Irwin, and Pete Heffling. Interviews and subjects this time wow. around. So uh, stay tuned for those. And one other quick thing I wanted to mention was uh, we, what, what episode number are we on? 93. 93. We did the math, right? And, uh, Todd Anderson style. And, uh, we found <laughs> that episode 100 will be coming out Halloween Day. Nice. Spooky. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. Um, so we That's, will be hitting our centennial. It's kind of like Yo MTG Taps episode 100 came out on April 1st, April Fool's Day. So, nice. Yeah. And we have to push our announcement that we said we had last week another week because of some logistics things, but we have something really fun that we're going to be showing you guys here real soon. Right, yes. Absolutely. So stay tuned for those. We'll, uh, that, that'll probably be a cover story once once that becomes official. For sure. So, okay. um, yeah, is that everything, guys? I believe That's all so. on my end. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. That about wraps it up. Until next week, we're in contention. 